0: And today we're going to have ourselves a, a serious conversation on a topic that simply does not get enough conversation, except uh, unfortunately when an incident might occur in this realm, and, and then suddenly the press will uh, will be all over the story. Hi everybody, uh, Jim Mitchell, and our topic today is elder abuse, and and I'll be the first to own up to. Uh, Somehow, not giving this topic its due on the on the many podcasts we've done here in the past four years, so today we'll make up a little bit. We're we're only going to be allowed to spend our usual quarter of an hour, which which is not enough for this troubling subject. But maybe the goal here is to generate some further conversation among you, our listeners, and and bring it a little further to the forefront. Now, I'm fortunate to welcome to the podcast. uh, very well-versed Heather Walzer. Heather has been with us many times. She uh, comes to us from Lavelle Law Limited and uh, always pleased to have her with me. And as we begin the navigation of the topic, there's there's really so much to cover and we're going to get right to it. So Heather, first of all, thanks and uh, a lot we got to cover. So I, I appreciate you being here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Um you know, elder abuse worries me as much for how neglected the topic is as, as the actual acts themselves sometimes. Um, you know, it seems to me that elected officials are finally beginning to realize what's at stake. Tell me a little bit about the laws protecting the elderly and, and how widespread those laws have become in recent years.
1: Well, they really have, uh, and and there's, there's quite a bit of... Um, of kind of conduct that's anticipated and that needs to be covered, and that's what I think contributes to the law kind of lagging behind, because elder abuse isn't just one type of issue. It's not just one type of thing. It spans a number of different subjects, topics, areas of the law even. Um, so really that, that makes it um, a pretty broad much broader subject than people are aware of. Um, In 1988, Illinois enacted an Elder Abuse and Neglect Act and then implemented the Elder Abuse and Neglect Program. And the idea and the goals of these programs um, is to address domestic elder abuse, neglect, financial exploitation, just kind of the, the things that at least a few of the issues that we commonly associate or understand to constitute elder abuse.
0: And that's and interesting because when, when you use the term elder abuse, um, I and I expect others think of, of physical abuse, and which, which is horrendous enough on its own, but as you look at the scope of what might be covered in these laws, it, it really goes beyond physical acts alone, doesn't it?
1: That's absolutely right. It really can run the gamut from, you know, as you said, physical abuse, which uh, is on the one end of the spectrum. But equally bad um, are things like financial exploitation. Um, abandonment can even constitute mm-hmm. elder abuse, really, if, if someone is in such need and they are not able to care for themselves and just, you know, leaving them to fend for themselves and all of the negative effects that come from that also constitutes elder abuse. Um, Unfortunately, people who fall victim to this type of abuse are generally vulnerable for a lot of reasons. It may age is obviously a large part of it. In combination with that, illness can be a part, and then just the sort of physical frailty that comes along with being of an advanced age. As a result of those things, um, many of the victims of elder abuse, they can't help themselves, so they depend on others just for meeting their basic needs, someone to you know take them to the grocery store or help them with laundry, those types of things. Um, so there's sort of a, a, a a lot of different areas in which the abuse can occur. So like you said, physical abuse, obviously shocking and a horrible thing. Um, sexual abuse as well, is, it, it occurs, as shocking as it, as it sounds and as awful as it is. Um, then, as I said, just neglect. Um, if someone is responsible for taking care of a family member or, or someone else that they have taken on, failing to provide food, shelter, health care, protection, anything else that that is required for that vulnerable person. That neglect is also considered elder abuse. Um, Emotional abuse, exploitation, is one that that I have actually um, dealt with in my practice on a fairly regular basis. And it can start out kind of innocently enough. Uh, You know, a child or a relative asking an aging parent or grandparent for some financial assistance But it can spiral out of control, um, particularly when the person is really unable to stand up for him or herself. So that financial exploitation is is also a really insidious and and horrible facet of of elder abuse.
0: And, and what about emotional? Uh, I assume that there are just types of activities that would fall under you know these types of statutes now in terms of abuse just based on the emotional treatment of, that is or isn't provided to someone
1: absolutely, absolutely. So anytime you have someone who's inflicting you know mental pain, anguish or, or distress on an older person, and it can be through verbal or nonverbal acts that that is more emotional abuse as opposed to physical. So, you know, belittling, yelling, those types of things. But in addition, the nonverbal acts of withholding contact, not speaking, you know, um, those kinds of things can also rise to the level of emotional abuse when you're dealing with someone who is elderly and frail
0: and you've mentioned elderly you've mentioned being frail do we also include here people who need caregivers because of uh, dementia or other afflictions that render them incapable of doing so themselves
1: yeah absolutely i mean all of those things they can really they can take they can take all different forms and really a, a, for anyone who is um, who is at risk or is particularly vulna- vulnerable now the elder abuse and neglect act really is intended to address the elder community, um, okay. but there uh-huh. are other agencies as well to deal with the disabled or, or those types of folks.
0: Well, let's let's talk about elder care. Obviously, our our population is aging, and it's uh, a concern either for individuals who who still have one or both parents, or even those of us who've had to care for an aunt or an uncle um, in, in their uh, older uh, years. Um, they need someone to care for them, um, as well as people who might be still on the younger side but want to plan for this. They know that they're going to need care someday, and, and they want to prevent these types of situations from perhaps being inflicted upon them. From your point of view and the work you do, what, what can people do either for themselves or for their parents or family members to develop and create some level of
1: protection? Well, one of the most important steps you or someone you love should take to help address and prevent elder abuse in the future is to develop a comprehensive estate plan. Um, you and I have talked about that on many occasions. Mm-hmm. But in short, the person really should prepare documents like a will, a living trust, powers of attorney for health care and property, um, all of those documents They're intended to provide a support system um, during any period of mental or physical incapacity. And so it's not just identifying people, you know, a a trusted loved one or a child or a, a friend or someone who would step in to fill those roles in the event that you needed care or were vulnerable, but it's documenting it. It's putting it in writing to make it clear to anyone who, who might attempt to do something problematic that they are not in charge. You know, your trusted child or friend or, or whomever is the person who has the authority to act. Um, really one of the best ways to do that, as I said, is with the powers of attorney for health care, and property. In those documents, which, again, you and I have talked about those a number of times because they're just so important, the individual, we call them the principal, can designate um, one or several, if they would like, trusted individuals who would act as agents for them, for the principal, to make health care and financial decisions during any period of incapacity. So, you know, in exactly the cases you mentioned, someone who has Alzheimer's, dementia, um, a stroke, any of those kinds of things that would diminish their capacity, the person, the principal, has already decided during a time in which he or she was healthy and functioning, they have made a reasonable, rational decision about who should be that person. By putting it into the the power of attorney, it memorializes it and makes it official. Um, The other thing that that does is it subjects that agent that you name the principal names an agent to step in and fulfill these roles? It subjects that person to legal limitations. The power of the agent is not unlimited instead, the agent is subject to the Illinois Power of Attorney Act, which um, is it, it, it allows the principal to name an agent to make all these decisions, but in addition, it also sets limitations on what the the agent can actually do, and it governs the agent's behavior, and it holds that agent to a very high standard of care, requiring that agent to act in the best interest of the principal at all times. So that, in addition to memorializing the principal's intent and who they would want to care for him or her, um, creating a power of attorney for property and a power of attorney for health care also adds an additional level of care and standard and duty of care that that agent has to live up to.
0: Which I think can be somewhat helpful to the agent themselves to make sure that you know they know what, um, what their obligations are and certainly gives them a, an opportunity to um, know what is needed of them. Now, we're, we're talking to Attorney Heather Walzer today. She's taking the time to, to join me, as she frequently does. She's part of the Family Law Practice Group at Lavelle Law and um, always a great contributor here. She is available to talk to you one-on-one as well. You can reach her at 847-705-7555 because we're not going to get through everything today uh, or at hwalzer at lavelllaw.com. I, I follow Heather on Twitter for some periodic updates at HGWalzer, and I'd, I recommend that you do as well. Um, it's a great way to stay in touch. Um, now, Heather, a few minutes we, we have left here. If, if someone is concerned about some sort of abuse taking place. Obviously anything physical and imminent I, I assume would you know, generate a call to 911. But if, if there's concerns about emotional abuse or neglect or abandonment, are there agencies and places that would accept a call and, and you know, move into action quickly to, to assist?
1: Yeah, there are. And, and I, I absolutely agree with you and want to reiterate that in cases where there is imminent danger of physical harm or, or anything that is immediate, requires immediate attention, you should call nine one one and err on the side of that if there's any question. Um, but as you said, there there may be other cases where it's not quite as imminent a threat. Um, I spoke a little earlier about the Elder Abuse and Neglect Act in nineteen eighty eight, which was enacted in nineteen eighty eight, um, and at at that time the Illinois Legislature also implemented the Elder Abuse and Neglect Program um, as of July first, two thousand thirteen. The Illinois General Assembly um, broadened the Elder Abuse and Neglect Program um, using the Adult Protective Services Act, and you kind of touched on the point earlier that that extended the protection from just elderly people to people with disabilities, just anyone who is vulnerable, Um, and that applies to anyone throughout the state of Illinois. Um, They are sort of the first point of contact, if you suspect that abuse has occurred or is potentially occurring, and again, the danger is not immediate. Um, The Adult Protective Services Program, and again, that's the one that was expanded in 2013, it's coordinated locally, you know, it's a statewide program, but it's coordinated locally through 45 provider agencies. So what happens when you call them, a caseworker from the agency would be tasked with conducting an investigation um, and, you know, working with the disabled or or elderly victims in resolving potentially abusive situations. So it's really kind of a location-specific process. Um, you know, if you suspect that something is going on, you need to track down the local provider agency for the Adult Protective Services Act or the, the Elder Abuse and Neglect Program in the state. And there's actually a, um, a website, uh, a link to a website that you can, um, I can make available. In fact, I can tweet it uh, after the podcast where you can look up your, um, your local provider and, and who you should, um, who you should contact.
0: Okay, well, I've got a list of questions, and we don't have enough time, so I'm going to have to say that we're going to have to have Heather back to talk about this uh, in the near future again. And, again, I certainly recommend uh, 847-70555. If you want to speak with Heather, H.G. Walzer on Twitter and lavelllaw.com for more answers, and we'll do our best to provide uh, some further information in a future discussion. Thanks so much for being here.